Hello and welcome to the Basic Bible Podcast, and this is a bonus episode. Uh, we're not taking a break from our Attributes of God series, instead we're just adding this to it. Uh, this week we were talking about the holiness of God in our Attribute series with J.B. Fesco. Uh, and so today, uh, it's, we're releasing two in the same week, and this is a bonus episode about a new book that literally just released this past Tuesday, the 13th, November 13th. A War of Loves by David Bennett. And who else would I ask to join me on a conversation about this book other than the one, the only, the rambling man himself, Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome to welcome back to our podcast. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for the opportunity to be a part of this special edition of the uh, Basic Bible Podcast. Uh, a War of Loves. The Unexpected Story of a Gay Activist Discovering Jesus. Mm. Right there, that's enough to uh, purchase oh, the yeah. book. Just that's... to find out what's, what David Bennett is talking about. And that drew me right away. And so, uh, you and I both read this book. And, and just for the record, uh, the publisher did send us free copies of this book. Um, but we are free to review this. However, we were not under any obligation to give a favorable review. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we both read this, and uh, we're part of the launch team. Again, this book just came out on the 13th. We'll have a link on our website as to where you can purchase the book uh, for yourselves. And if I had been on the ball, Ray, we would have talked about all the uh, bonus stuff you could have got if you pre-ordered the book. But by the time this is posted, you can't pre-order the book. The book is already released. So right. blame me for that. But you do get in, in your book... Um, something we didn't get in our book, the foreword by N.T. Wright. And I'll be looking forward to reading that foreword mm-hmm. uh, once it's released. So, Ray, can you kind of give us an idea of of how this book unfolds? What's the basic gist of the book? Well, um, I see it as uh, Mr. Bennett's testimony of how he grew up and came out of the closet, as the terminology goes, when he was 14, saying that he had these strong feelings for same-sex attraction since he was nine. Hmm. Uh, and yet he had uh, an encounter with, with Jesus at the age of 19, which is sort of an interesting thought because he calls himself, before Christ, a gay activist. So he was pretty yeah. young to be a, an activist of anything. Yeah, but young people are activists. Well, all yeah. activists, it seems. Yeah, well, yeah, in a sense we can be, especially if we're passionate about something or if we're trying to uh, justify our choices or our life. And uh, But he, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting journey that he took to come to Christ and uh, how he now has committed himself to a life as a, a gay Christian, hmm. uh, a gay celibate Christian. And that's how he defined, that's how he... Yeah, that, that's, that's his terminology, a gay celibate Christian. And, uh, you know, so there's certainly uh, a lot of uh, stuff there in the book that we... Hmm. You know, we, there's no way we could cover it all in yeah. this short podcast. Well, let me let me. I'm, I'm a school teacher. Mm-hmm. We're both school teachers, and so if anything I've learned from the various book reports that I've assigned, 
the best way, if I'm learning from my students, the best way to do this is just read the back of the book. <laughs> so let me read the, uh, Mr. Bennett's own summary. What would it mean for an, an atheist, gay activist, to become a Christian? At age 14, David Bennett came out to his parents. At age 19, he encountered Jesus Christ for the very first time. At that moment, his life changed forever. David Bennett was raised in an agnostic home in Sydney, Australia. Believing he was disqualified from God's love because of his sexuality, he saw Christianity as an enemy to freedom for LGBTQI people. Early experiences with prejudice and homophobia stirred his desire to become a gay activist. Then, when Jesus came into his life a highly unexpected, in a highly unexpected way, he was led down a path he would never have predicted or imagined. In A War of Loves, David recounts his dramatic story from early, from early years exploring New Age religions and French existentialism to university experiences as an activist. Following supernatural encounters with God, he embarked on a further journey of not only seeking to reconcile his faith and sexuality, but of discovering the higher call of Jesus Christ. A War of, Love invest, a War of Loves investigates what the Bible teaches about sexuality and demonstrates the prolific unqualified grace of God for all people. David describes the joy and intimacy he found in following Jesus Christ and how love has now taken on a radically new and far richer meaning for him. So I found this book to be quite interesting. And uh, I have my points of disagreement for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, I, it was, I, I'm glad I read the book. Mm-hmm. It was worth reading and I, and I would commend it to our readers to listen. So we're going to cover kind of what we, what we liked about the book and areas we thought could use some improvement or uh, just just disagreements with the book. So Ray, I'll throw I'll throw that out to you. Let's start off with the positive. Uh, what was good about this book? What did you enjoy? Or what did you appreciate about it? Well, the first of all, the, his courage hmm. in being willing to speak to an issue that is a really uh, hot one in our yeah. culture, not just in the church, but in our culture. Highly divisive. Yeah, and and you know here he is stuck in the middle. Hmm. He's considered himself uh, homosexual, uh, which as a gay activist that was great. But since he's become a believer and has chosen a, a celibate lifestyle. He finds himself on the outs with that community, and he finds himself on the outs with several in the church mm. who argue want to argue with him about um, the fact that he was born that way. Which that's an interesting since I've gone there, an interesting take that he gives that I hadn't thought of it this way before. He's not saying that he was born that way because of what God did. He was born that way because of sin, right. because of the fall. And that that opened my mind somewhat to seeing it in a different way than yeah. I ever have before. And so that was good. And the other thing that I found to be very helpful for me, when he talks about being celibate, my mind started going to, okay, what areas in my life do I need to be celibate yeah. in? Or fasting, and, and you know, using it in that general term, it's not just being celibate about sex, but celibate about anything and everything that is a habitual right. sin for for us uh, as as individual believers. And I I have those, you have those, yeah. we all have 
something or more than one thing that that Satan will use to try to drag us down into his his playing field, so to speak. And uh, so it's a good reminder, I think, not to be judgmental of others. As Jesus said, take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And I think another thing about the book, it reminded me that, not that I needed reminding of this, that homosexuality is not the unforgivable sin. Right. Um, and the fact that David, and I've found out since then that others like him, have chosen to live a celibate life, uh, to be true to God, and to share this with others is highly commendable. Yeah. Yeah, there, that's... A lot of... Uh, my main takeaway from this book is the plight of the person who is struggling with his faith and with his sexuality. Because it's not something I struggle with. Uh, I, I'm not a homosexual. I don't have that, that desire. Uh, and it's easy for me to just point to Romans 1 and other passages and say, aha, that Bible commit, commend, uh, condemns this, therefore it's wrong. Hey, fix it. Uh, I don't struggle with that. And so for someone who does struggle with that, man, what does that look like? And as you said, this guy's got some just brutally honest things to say mm -hmm. about how he grew up and the struggles he went through even after embracing the gospel, accepting Christ. And just his honesty is, is very... It's, a, it's, a, it's an eye view into a world that I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. And so that really helps put things in perspective because, again, as... As uh, heterosexual straight males who never have this issue, it's easy to look down on those who do. And so he gives us an eye view, a, a real in-depth look into his emotional state, mental. It kind of shows us his soul a little bit. And that, that's, yeah. that's really helpful. And in that way, opens our minds and our hearts mm. to accepting him like Jesus accepted mm. And that's, that's the key, isn't it, for us as, as believers when we deal with people who are different than we are. Yeah. We need to be willing to come alongside them, to help them with their struggle. But the first step of helping anybody with their struggle is understanding their yeah. struggle. Walking into that struggle. With right. You. And that, that, this book really helped with that. Yeah. And, and, well, let's face it. The, the evangelical church today has failed in this area. Oh, yeah. of showing love toward the homosexual. Mm -hmm. We always talk about hate the sin, love the sinner, but we're really not good at following through with that. And especially when it comes to this sin, it's, it's easy to, to throw out uh, you know, the name-calling and all of that stuff because it's, it's an icky sin. It's not something that nice people do. So that was good. Yeah. And I really appreciate his view of marriage. Because he mm -hmm. talks about the idolatry of marriage, and man, do I is that hit home? Because uh, I really feel like the church is, is so focused on marriage and family that it has become an idol mm -hmm. and something that. And uh, if people need to have evidence of that, well, let's see. How much did you spend on your wedding? I'm not asking Kevin this. I'm asking the, yeah. the listeners this. Some people <coughs> and Christians spend. 
10000 $20,000 on the wedding ceremony itself with the reception. And then they go on this extravagant honeymoon, yeah. spending a whole lot more money. And then, well, <clears throat> hmm, some of those, even inside the church, they, they're over within a year or two. Yeah. So you know, the idolatrous nature of marriage is really, you know, and it's like with anything, if we put anything in front of Jesus, yeah. it becomes an idol. And so, yeah, I think his, his pinpointing that in his experience in the church is a very valid one. Yeah, and, and we, we focus on marriage to the exclusion of singleness. Right. First Corinthians 7, it, it, you know, Paul says it's, it's good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. And he wishes that more people were single as he were as he was at that time, and we don't. A lot of churches I know we don't have a category for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to do a whole bunch of singles ministry when I was single, and that for some reason dropped off when I got married. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we, we I, I'd call up churches and they just they have not they have no idea what to do with their singles except let's partner them up somewhere somehow, right? Um, and they have no category for someone who serves God. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a single man or a single woman. And he also brings up uh, the idea of friendship. We've lost the idea of a, a truly deep, emotional, connected friendship outside of the marriage relationship. Within the same gender. Right. And, you know, for instance, I mean, he brings up what we talked about in our life group this morning about David and Jonathan. Right. Now, I've heard homosexuals who are all gung-ho about yeah. allowing gay marriage and all that stuff use David and Jonathan as an example of homosexuality relationships, which is totally foreign to the, the scripture. It's yes. not there. But to have that kind of a bond where you know, you have a friend that's closer than a brother and... Uh, and it it beams like iron sharpening iron and and you know having that kind of relationship is not only necessary for us as men but for yeah. us as husbands to have someone that we can right. talk to and be associated with that you know it's not all on the wife to meet my needs right. yeah and that's that puts more strain on the marriage relationship oh yeah um when your wife is expected to not just be your wife, your life companion, your soulmate, but now has to be best friend. Mm-hmm. Now has to take on other roles that she was not meant to do. And that goes back to, that, I think, that idolatry of marriage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Scripture, I think it's clear we are to live in community. Mm-hmm. And that's not just the family. Right. Because I, we, there is a subset of Christianity today that really, uh, you know, the home church movement. I hope I don't get in too much trouble here. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we shy away from controversy, but, uh, yeah, where, right. <laughs> where the father is pastor and things like that. And everything revolves around family, uh, homeschooling and not that homeschooling is bad in and of itself, but, uh, some, I think do that for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And we have this whole, it, it just becomes almost like a cult of a family, but we start outside of that. And I think we were designed to have friendships, right? Uh, and friendships that are meaningful. You and I, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, um, I remember my pastor telling me, 
you need friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's weird because I, I, I'm married. I have kids. I'm fine. Uh, I didn't feel lonely, except I didn't realize until later that I was. Um, there, was there was stuff I was lacking. And I think um, you and I forming a friendship was, uh, I know it helped me immensely. I mean, you're suffering from it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been a it's been a good blessing to me. Uh, even I just think the past couple of weeks uh, have been kind of rough uh, with different things going on. But you have you're aware of that, and you're helping me sh- that in a, in a real sense shoulder that burden mm-hmm. that um, others haven't been able to. Well, and that you know that's the point of friendship is you become. So attached vulnerably and emotionally and other things that, you know, we've walked through some things together. We yeah. developed a, a trust relationship that, right. that uh, we can talk about pretty much anything, I think. And yeah. it's not to the point of embarrassment for us to share with each other. Right. And, uh, and we also trust that it's not going to go outside of our relationship if it's something that we've asked for confidentiality about. Right. You're not and telling my wife what I'm drinking right now. No. We're talking about non-alcoholic beverages as well. So, so just <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do the alcohol yeah. uh, the the adult beverages, but uh, you know, and you know, our relationship has meant a lot to me too. I'm not. Even though I come, I can come across as uh, an extrovert, but that's that, that's my that's my public demeanor. That's not who I am. Yeah. Uh, to have close friends is not something I've developed over the years. I mean, I have a few, but it's not something that I need. I don't feel like I need a ton of friends, but I do need some that I can confide in. And I think this book. Really draws that out mm-hmm. um, in, in a good way. Uh, the other thing I've written down here are identities in Christ, not our sexual relationships, not in our, in our sexuality, or even in our sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Our identity is in Jesus Christ, and for and for uh, Mister Bennett here, that was something that he had to struggle through, and that's how he was able to give up uh, his his gay sexual lifestyle was because he found a new identity in Christ that meant much, so much more to him. Right. Than and that. that you know we're we're always going to because we're made in the image of God. Yeah. We're always going to be searching for something to fill that void right. if if we don't have Jesus in that in that situation. I think that was Blaise Pascal that said you know, talking about this vacuum, every every soul has a vacuum in it that can only be filled yeah. up by Jesus. That's obviously a loose paraphrase, but but it's so true, and the kind of relationships that Mr. Bennett is talking about, that Kevin and I are talking about, enhance that. Right. You know, it's, it doesn't replace that, right. but it enhances our relationship with Jesus. We can find, it's iron sharpening iron, as, right. as Proverbs tells us. You and I are both pointing each other back to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when it comes back to identity... It's not just uh, sexuality, but, you know, I look at myself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. It's what I do. It's who I am. It's why I get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I can wrap myself up in my occupation. And 
what happens if that were taken away? Right. Well, then I lose not just my job, but I lose who I am, and I lose uh, a part of myself, and that shows that this can become an idol in my life. Mm-hmm. But if my identity is wrapped up in Christ, I it, it means who I am is more about Jesus than about my circumstances or about my personality or about what I do. Mm-hmm. And so the trials of life can come, and I've learned to trust in Christ because He is my life, as Colossians says. Yeah, maybe that's why I've had so many different jobs. I don't get that identity. <laughs> so God, God's working in you in that way. I, and the, the last thing I wrote down here for, for positives, I, I like how the, the book doesn't have a nice, neat ending. Mm-hmm. How he figured everything out, and now we know how to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still struggling through reconciling uh, his, his uh, same-sex attraction and his faith. He hasn't, you know, he, he clearly, and I, one of the, the other thing I like about this is he's very clear about what Scripture teaches about homosexuality. It's wrong, it's a sin. But, okay, he does have this orientation, it seems, and that's a whole big debate, as, as you already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I reconcile that completely? He doesn't. There is some tension. And how do we show love toward our homosexual friends, our homosexual neighbor, yet still be uh, faithful to the text, faithful to God. Uh, he's struggling through it still. Um, he, he's a little more certain than he was before. But uh, there is no easy solution to this. And in a fallen world, there are no solution, easy solutions to anything. Well, exactly. I, and that's, I was going to build off of what you were saying because I still struggle with you know, the habitual sins that are in my life. Right. And how, how can I do this on a continual basis and still consider myself a believer in Jesus. Yeah. The the inconsistency of that life that I continually live and yet in the same time see that I am a child of God and it, it comes down to grace. Yeah. You know, that's the only way because it's not something that I earn. Um, you know, though I want to be obedient but what it does for me is daily you know on my knees for me it's it's figuratively speaking anymore yeah. if I got on my knees now I wouldn't get back up <laughs> but on my knees begging for God's forgiveness for that asking his his help in avoiding those issues that I know are there and you know, just continually be be faithful to to him throughout all that. Right. Well, let's move on to the negative as we're we're, we're running out of time here. Um, there were some areas, and you and I, I think, agree on that. There are some issues we have with some of the stances that Mr. Bennett takes, uh, or some of the perspectives he gives. Uh, Ray, what what were some of your uh, negative aspects about the book? Well. The thing that I found to be the most difficult to agree with is his concept or definition of the word eunuch. Hmm. Um, Biblically speaking, all the passages that I see in the Bible that talk about that, it's uh, primarily an individual who has been made a eunuch uh, in order to serve in the king's service. Uh, you know, guarding the harem or becoming a, uh, Chamberlain or whatever 
yeah. terminology to it seems like maybe I read it wrong but it seems like Mr. Bennett is equating the leaning towards homosexuality with eunuch and uh, for instance the Matthew nineteen twelve passage where Jesus talks about those who were born as eunuchs those who were made eunuchs and those who choose to live a eunuch lifestyle he's it seems like Mr. Bennett is saying that those who are born eunuch are the same as homosexuals, which is just not, I don't think, is permissible by the text. Remember that that chapter is, uh, you know, Matthew 19 is, is the, the, the Pharisees have an issue or want to discuss or, you know, continually questioning Jesus about his authority. Ask him a question, well, so what about divorce? You know, is it is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason, which is basically what they have practiced, what they felt, you know, they have interpreted the law of Moses to include their particular lifestyle. And Jesus uh, goes back to before Moses to creation and said, you know, basically man and woman were created. Uh, partly to become husband and wife. Hmm. And, you know, but I, I just, I struggle with his interpretation of that as being um, eunuch, being equivalent to someone who has a homosexual bent. Yeah, and I, and I, and I agree with you. I don't know if that's what Christ was getting at. Um, I, I'm, I'm cautious to go there, but... I can't see how he can draw a comparison uh, of uh, being a homosexual, a, a celibate gay Christian, could be compared to a eunuch who is purposely giving up uh, married life or purposely uh, adopting a celibate lifestyle for whatever reason. Right. So and I can see the comparison, so, but you, yeah, I agree with you. You can't just say, all right, well, these were uh, homosexuals um, in his culture and I, I don't know if we could make that. Right. That's a little bit of a leap. Right. So <coughs> I would connect better with what you're saying. Uh, yeah. The third thing that Jesus said: those who choose to right. live this way for the cause, you know, for the cause yeah. of, of the kingdom of heaven. So yeah, that. But if he, if it's an equation of the first statement of Jesus with what he say, you know, what it seems to be saying, I can't, I can't go there. Yeah. One of the issues I had. Um, as a reformed guy, I get real nervous when people start talking about God said this to me. Yeah, <laughs> and and not only did God say this to me, but here it is in paragraph form, mm-hmm. uh, sentences and and whatnot of this is what God told me, and um, I, you know I'm I don't tend to be very charismatic in my beliefs, and he, the whole salvation testimony and how he comes to Christ and how. I appreciate as a, as a Calvinist the idea of God drawing him, mm-hmm. um, but the whole experience he talks about uh, at a coffee shop with a with a female friend of his who was a, a director, independent film director. She held his hand to pray, and all of a sudden he just felt as if there was oil coming over his face, and he just felt the Holy Spirit coming him and telling him, you know, don't you want me? Don't you? Want? And that's how he becomes. It wasn't wrestling with the scriptures and God speaking to him through his word uh, but hearing from what I can tell literal audio, uh, auditory voice uh, words and 
that seems to be a consistent theme throughout yeah. the book too, and not just with his salvation right. experience. Um, and that's how he overcomes a lot of his uh, objections to the faith is through experience mm-hmm. and not through the objective word of God, which I think he he is from what I can tell in the book is he does have a good understanding of the word of God. Uh, he has studied the scriptures and. He does uh, involve himself. He's involved in an apologetics ministry, right? Um, and I would like to have seen more of that objective apologetic ministry uh, represented in the book, as opposed to God told me this at mm-hmm. a worship service or God told me this at a coffee shop. Because as we said before, uh, that's hard to to relate to another person because if that person doesn't have those experiences, what what are they left with? Right. But if I give them true, the truth of God's word, then they, they have to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the truth of, of God's word, the person of Jesus. Um, you know, and that's, and the thing is, I mean, we can't argue with his experience. Right, yeah. Because, you know, we either accept it as true and honest or we don't. But coming to Christ is... You know, yeah, it's an emotional thing. But again, in order for it to be be based, have a foundational uh, block to build off of, I think that there needs to be more of an interaction with, with God's Word. Yeah. That's, that's how we know Him. That's how we know Christ. We... We, you know, other, you know, we also have the Holy Spirit that that indwells us. Right. I, I don't disagree with that, but that's all going to agree with what we have yeah. as the revealed Word of God, and that's the Bible. And so, you know, I, I'm just reading online this morning. Somebody said this, and it's really good. Your testimony is not the gospel. Um, your testimony about how God brought you to Himself is not the gospel of itself. The gospel is the gospel. Uh, and so your story can help someone understand uh, what's involved in this, but eventually you got to take them to the Word. Uh, I want to read from Second Peter uh, chapter 1. Uh, I always find this passage fascinating. Peter saying, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice of a voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced for the will of man, but men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here's Peter talking about what we know as as uh, what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration, mm-hmm. where he sees Jesus shining as a bright white. We, he hears the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But in the very next verse, Peter says, We have something more sure than the experience I'm telling you about. And that's the prophetic word. That's the word of God. The testimony of the word is greater than the testimony of the believer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I think all that aside, I, I don't think that takes away from, our objection takes away from the main thrust of the book, which I think this is an important book. I want to recommend this book. 
Mm -hmm. um, I, I learned a lot from this, and, and the appendices are, are really helpful as well. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, when I'm going through some of these verses, these passages that uh, talks about the sin of homosexuality, it's interesting to read a, a uh, celibate gay Christian talking about those yeah, those right. passages. Mm -hmm. So um, I, go get the book. We'll have the link to Amazon. Uh, any any other closing thoughts from you, Ray? On the yeah, book? we well the book, but even broader, we you talked about how the church has not done a good job of working with singles. And I yeah. wanted to put in a plug for a ministry that's just started up. My daughter is involved. It's called Merge. Okay. It's uh, just different uh, Christian singles that are getting together from various churches in Janesville, uh, probably you know, in their 20s, uh, maybe early 30s. I don't know. I... I know they just met again last night, and some of it's just time for fellowship, some's for other things. I they had a campfire last night and mm -hmm. different things going on. And it's an opportunity for single Christians, or non-Christians probably for that matter, to come together and uh, develop friendships. And uh, I don't have, I'm not, I haven't asked my daughter if I could give out her... <laughs> contact information so if you're interested in finding out more about this you can just uh do a message to the basic bible podcast uh, yeah and uh, we'll let you we'll get you that information and you can message the basic bible podcast by going on to our website www.basicbiblepodcast.org or join us on our facebook group i i want to kick start that up again so just go to Facebook and uh, type in the search, just Basic Bible Podcast. You'll pop up with our group, join our group, and you can take part in uh, our poll yesterday. Did we declare Ray a heretic? We put him on the rack for the what I would consider the sin of eating pineapple on pizza. The consumption of pineapple. Actually, there, my response to that was I would probably be in more trouble biblically, at least from the Old Testament, for eating ham huh. with that pineapple because that's not kosher. I suspect pineapple is. But we're living in New Testament times where Paul was told he can eat bacon. So I'm good with... I don't mind ham, on, on but the pineapple... Oh, that sounds... Well, we're getting into raining and ray type territory, which we're going to do one of those this month. We do. But uh, So we're going to wrap things up here. So don't forget to check us out on uh, Facebook, also on Instagram, Twitter, at Basic Bible Cast. Uh, and I want to, before we wrap things up, I want to thank the fine folks at Roxbury Road Church of Christ. Here in Janesville, where we are recording today. Yes. The last time you and I recorded, we were up in the Wisconsin Dells at the Ooh. Wilderness Resort. Yep. Uh, this isn't a resort, but I, I'm happy for the, the place to record here this week. Yep. So That's thank nice. you, uh, Pastor Grice and others here at uh, Roxbury Road. We appreciate uh, letting us use your office building here today. Well, uh, again, thank you all for listening. And join us back next week. We're going to be continuing on our series on... The Attributes of God. And there may be another bonus episode coming up about Thanksgiving. i got a guest uh, who's uh, we're trying to work that out with. And then sometime this month we'll have another Raining in Ray. So you can comment on that by going to Twitter or, sending, or, or joining the Facebook group, which I really think you should do. All right. So until next time, have a great rest of your week. Yeah.